You can't handle the truth. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger boat. Get away from her, you bitch! The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. To infinity and beyond! Hey, motherfucker. Hello and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. So I am fully prepared to be yelled at today. I referenced <laughs> this in last week's episode when we were previewing this one. Rom-coms, not that they're not really my thing, but I haven't seen a whole lot of them. A lot of the ones that are considered, like, classics in the field, I, uh, my... My having watched them is uh, has not come to pass, I guess, and I'm fully prepared, Ma- Mr. Manuel, to uh, to be yelled at by you today. Well, I'm not uh, I'm not uh, extremely passionate about the uh, romantic comedies, which we should mention. The reason we're doing our top five romantic comedies this week is because it is Valentine's Day week. Yeah, so we're recording this on uh, February 12th, 2019, but I think by the time it comes out, it probably will have been Valentine's Day already, I guess. Uh, could be out tomorrow. It'll sure. be out in time for Valentine's Day. It'll either be out uh, the day before or the day of. Most likely the day before. And I know you and I both have big plans for uh, the big day, isn't that right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a friend is coming over to hang out. Ooh, so, I mean, no, I was being sarcastic. No, no, no. But... No, no, like like a re- like a real friend. Oh, I see. And, and although she is of the opposite gender of myself, there Ooh, is scandal. No, there, I know there is no <laughs> there is no romance there whatsoever. Shout out to you, Mushhead. <laughs> I'm sure uh, we're running the risk of turning our podcast into TMZ right now and just getting <laughs> getting all the gossip going on. <laughs> yeah, huge but, gossip. But yes, today's episode is uh, we are listing our top five rom-coms, of course, that being our top five favorite rom-coms of all time. Yes. There's going to be some discussions about what is a rom-com and all the semantics that come with that. But before we get into the rules and regulations that we've set for ourselves, Manny, why don't you tell the people where they can find us on social media? Yeah, you can like and follow us on Facebook. You can also uh, like us and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. Uh, Side note, we've actually been getting quite a few people following us on Instagram. Uh, A bunch of other podcasts, actually, I noticed uh, was uh, interesting. I I wonder how they found us uh, because the number of followers we now have on Instagram definitely outweighs uh, the number of listeners we have each week. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I haven't been following any of them back. Are, are we playing hard to get? And are we No, just not at all. I, I'm, I'm of the belief that if you will follow me, I will follow you. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, not, not playing hard to get. So, <laughs> And what, you know, maybe I should give some of those podcasts a listen. If they're shitty, then maybe I'll unfollow them. And since it's they're like... not listening to me, I don't care what they think. <laughs> Unless any of you actually are listening to us, in which case, thanks. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> thanks for giving us a try. I'm definitely, gonna, I'm definitely planning on uh, giving those other podcasts that are uh, following us on Instagram a listen as well to, uh, to see what they're like. Um, and you can uh, email us if you're archaic uh, at uh, sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. 
And I think that's uh, that's it. Well, we would appreciate any uh, rates and reviews on, on iTunes. I didn't check uh, anything recently to see if anybody else had given us a review. But again, we really appreciate the uh, the reviews that people have been listening, as it will increase our profile and allow more people to find us. Yeah, and I think we are still sitting on a strong 5.0 on the on iTunes. Isn't nice. That right? Yeah, not even any half points on that one. That's in the true spirit of the podcast. <laughs> that's my peeps. That's my peeps. <laughs> Indeed. So thank you for that, Manny. And uh, we're getting into the show. So we are doing our top five rom-coms. As we said, it's going to be our favorites, not necessarily the ones that are the best uh, or the most iconic. It's going to be the ones that we like the most. It is the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast. If you don't like it, go make your own goddamn podcast. Um, We're going to be alternating. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be alternating five through one in ascending order. Uh, Today, we uh, we did a coin flip before the broadcast, and uh, Mr. Manny Manuel won, so he will be leading us off with his number five, and we'll be working our way up, alternating between the two of us up to number one. If the movie appears on both of our lists, uh, one will interrupt the other uh, and say, hey, that's on my list as well, and we will discuss it at the higher of the two numbers. Um, Side note on this, uh, we always... We were having this really uh, in-depth debate before we got on air today. It was a little bit chaotic before we started recording. Just a smidge. Um, We uh, didn't talk about this, as we probably should have, what exactly qualifies a movie to be on this list. So we uh, decided uh, decided eventually on using our usual tiebreaker, IMDb. Um, Since there's no rom-com tag on the site, we decided that if it has both the comedy and romance tags, it qualifies for the list. So that was our tiebreaker. Yes. It eliminated a number of good movies from the list. I, for one, wanted to talk about Juno, but according to uh, according to IMDb, that's not a romance movie, and I would disagree with that, but what can you do? And I think, man, you had a couple uh, disqualified as well, right? Well, I had my number two stricken from the list because yeah. <laughs> of our, our rules, uh, which, again, we didn't even go over until moments before we recorded. So I had to scramble and uh, pick a new one, and the other uh, – the other movies got bunched, uh, bumped up a, a spot. So, yeah, my uh, my number two, for those of you that are interested, that isn't technically a romantic comedy, according to IMDb, is High Fidelity. Right. Okay. Uh, which, of course, again, this is going to be a theme today, is one that I haven't seen. And I apologize in advance for all of them uh, to both you and our beautiful, beautiful listeners. So I think that covers all the stuff we need to cover. So if we're all done, uh, without further ado, let's get into your number five, Manny. All right. My number five is the 1999 rom-com, 10 Things I Hate About You. Not on my list. Haven't seen it. (laughs) Make a drink. Before I get too deep into 10 things I hate about you, and I'm actually, so 90, oh, 99, you were what, 6? 96, yeah. Okay. You were born in 96? I was born in 96. Okay, so you were 3 when this came out. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, this movie came out on the April 4th weekend of 1999. Another iconic film came out this exact same weekend, and this is the movie I decided to see. Would you like to know what that other movie that came out on April 4th, 1999 is that I decided not to go see? I'm racking my brain. A bunch of 98 movies are coming to mind, but I can't think of 99. This is probably, I I bet you anything, probably for you or for a lot of people, probably 
the movie of 1999. Uh, did uh, did the Matrix come out in 99? That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you went to go see that. You wanted to see Ten Things I Hate About You instead. Yes. That's great. I love that. I it's did like end up going to see the happened. Matrix uh, about four or five days later, but I went and saw <clears throat> Ten Things I Hate About You on opening weekend. Um, I can't remember the reason, and it's 100% not because of a girl. Um, I can't remember why. Just me and a bunch of friends wanted to go see something, and we decided to go see this. Uh, it, this wasn't even on my radar. I can't even remember why we didn't want to go see The Matrix, because if I'm not mistaken, I know for a fact I went with one other guy. I know there's three of us. I can't remember if one of them was a girl. But we definitely went and, see, we went and saw this, and this movie is just... So adorable and cute. Uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Uh, it's directed by Gil Jung- Gil Gil Younger. Let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> written by Karen McCullough and uh, Kirsten Smith. It has a meta score of seventy. Had a budget of thirty million and made a whopping thirty-eight million. So I'm glad I could contribute to that. Uh, the plot: A pretty popular teenager can't go out on a date until her ill-tempered older sister does. This uh, Ten Things I Hate About You is a modern retelling of the classic Shakespeare, The Taming of the Shrew. Ooh, interesting. Ten Things I Hate About You, The Taming of the Shrew. You get it? Oh, wow. (laughs) How many Oscars did that get nominated for? (laughs) Uh, This actually got two Oscar nominations. Really? Oh, I'm lying. Uh. (laughs) Um, This actually has a really great cast, a bunch of uh, young stars on the rise. This was the American film debut of Heath Ledger. Um, it also stars Julia Stiles, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, David Crumholtz, Andrew Keegan, uh, Gabriel Union, uh, Larry Miller in a small role, uh, Larissa, uh, Larissa Olenek, and there's a very, again, another small part played by Allison Janney. Um, oh. Yeah, it's a really great cast. Um, one of the great things about this show, uh, this movie, is uh, they don't use any sets. Everything was filmed on location in Seattle. Um, all the school shots, everything is, is on location. You can kind of really tell it has more of a natural feel to it. Um, the dialogue is so much fun. Uh, JGL is just killing it uh, as he pines uh, over Larissa Olnick's uh, Bianca uh, Stratford. Um, Julia Stiles plays Katarina Stratford. Um, and uh, Bianca is not allowed to date until she finds... Uh, somebody to date her older sister who is a shrew, a.k.a. a bitch. Um, And so uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, David Crumholtz playing Michael and Cameron, um, they hire Heath Ledger uh, to date uh, Katerina. And uh, hilarity ensues. Um, But there's a lot of of really great dialogue. Um, What? Are we planning on spoiling these movies, or should we try and keep it as spoiler-free as possible? I've kept mine as spoiler-free as possible, Okay, but, uh, you know, you do you. Okay, uh, I, I will keep things as spoiler-free as possible as well. And uh, the one thing, there is a scene uh, where Julia Stile, um it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, she reads this poem, and uh, she completely um, breaks down in it. And uh, I just learned that that was actually in one take, uh, and her tears were not planned. Um, they were real tears, uh, and she did it in the moment. Um, I remember seeing that scene uh, in the theater and being blown away by her performance in that scene. Um, the 
the chemistry between everybody is apparent. Uh, David Krumholtz in an interview quite a few years later talks about how everyone got along so incredibly well. It was unlike anything he had seen on set before. Um, it's just really fun. It's a teenage rom-com. And like I said, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is just adorable. He's still young. I think he's fresh off 30 Rock. No, sorry, not 30 Rock. Third Rock from the Third Sun. Third Rock from the Sun, yeah. Third Rock from the Sun. Um, he's so great. Um, and there's some really great silly moments. I, I just this – mov- this movie's really, really cute. Uh, I- and I really enjoy it. Yeah, you've brought it up to me a few times, actually. I think it's even had some mentions in the last couple of podcasts. I mean, we did just do a Dark Knight episode. Uh, of course, Heath Ledger plays a huge role in that. And I think this probably got mentioned offhand a couple of times in discussions before that. And yeah, definitely. Sort of offhand and uh, talks about Brokeback Mountain. So I'm sort of peripherally aware of this movie, mostly through you. Um, but yeah, not even a little bit on my radar in terms of uh, movies that I was thinking about for my list. Um, that being said, I, I know you are, you claim you're not a rom-com guy really in air quotes, or you claim you're not too passionate about it, but I know we've talked at length about a couple of different rom-coms. I'm sure a couple of which we'll talk about tonight and, uh, you, uh, you have quite good taste in them. So I'm, I'm sure this, uh, this certainly has something to offer. Thanks. Uh, I, you know, actually looking back on, on myself saying that, um, I am a fan of rom-coms. It's just that they're, I think what it is, is that when I find a good one, um, they're so, it just feels they're so rare because there's so many bad ones. Um, and when a bad one is really bad, it really makes me want to tear my eyes out. Um, I can't. Captain Heigl, I'm looking at you. Yeah, you goddamn <laughs> right. Uh, for any of those of you uh, on bated breath hoping that a Katherine Heigl movie has made my list, there's no fucking way. Um, actually, technically, there kind of is one that could have possibly made my list. But we'll talk about honorable mentions down the road. We will. Um, we're going we're, we're to do, do some honorable mentions uh, after we do our list. Um, but yeah, Katherine Heigl can go fuck herself. Um, I do like a good rom-com. Um, it's just that I, I think what it is is that my standards for them are pretty high. So when a, a good one comes along, uh, I become a big fan of it um, because bad ones uh, are just such a chore to sit through. But that being said, uh, that was my number five, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Sam, you're number five, please. I'm actually a little nervous about saying this one. Uh, so <laughs> Why? Is it got Catherine Heigl in it? What's that? Has it got Katherine Heigl in it? It does not have Katherine Heigl in it, actually. So that, it's already got that going for it. And you're uh, <laughs> so before we went on air, the people won't know this, we had a little discussion about uh, the Viewist universe, and we had a little discussion about uh, Kevin Smith. And I, I was trying not to say anything about uh, one of my picks, but you said, and uh, this isn't a direct quote, something to the effect of anything after his Viewist universe movies are trash. <laughs> and... Uh, or, I uh, I unfortunately like one of said movies, and uh, that movie is the 2008 movie Zack and Miri Make a Porno. Oh, you know what? Uh, you're right. I you know what's so funny is I completely forgot about Zack and Miri. Oh, that's a great pick, sir. That's yeah. a great pick. And actually, after you do your little diatribe on it, I have something that I'd really like to talk about. Okay, awesome. So, Zach and Miri, I actually, you know, I should have been prepared for this, obviously. Uh, IMDb synopsis. I don't know if we're still doing that, but I'm going to. Yeah, I did. Um, the, 
Lifelong platonic friends Zack and Miri look to solve their respective cash flow problems by making an adult film together. As the cameras roll, however, the duo begin to sense that they may have more feelings for each other than they previously thought. So this is a really good, cheesy, heartwarming movie that has a ton of raunchiness to it. This is a disgusting movie. Uh, Tons of sex jokes, tons of dick jokes, tons of boobs, tons of whatever. But it's at its core, it really is. uh, It's a beautiful love story between uh, Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks, who is being mentioned on the podcast for the second consecutive episode. Hey, Elizabeth, how you doing? I was just about to say that. (laughs) Um, This movie has a number of great comedic moments. It has a great cast. Like I said, Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks. Um, Craig Robinson, uh, who people might know as you know Daryl from The Office, he also has a number of other comedic roles in uh, in a bunch of movies with Seth Rogen. He's a really really funny guy. Justin Long has a really really funny cameo in this as a gay porn star, <laughs> and uh, Seth Rogen is just not picking up on it. But uh, it's like I said, I, I can go on and on about this, but I think the chemistry between uh, Rogen and Banks is really what this movie rides off of. Um, the plot is a lot of fun. It's two friends in their desperation make a porno in uh, in this coffee shop where, where Rogan works. Um, and just the, the hijinks and the antics are, are nonstop, and it's really funny. There's a hilarious line in this movie, which really is one of my favorite lines, maybe in any comedy ever, from Craig Robinson, where a customer comes up to him. Craig Robinson's working at this coffee shop, and the customer comes up to him while he's mid-conversation with someone else and says, Hey, can I get a coffee? Black? And Craig Robinson says, can't you see we busy? White. <laughs> <laughs> and his delivery of the line is just uh, fucking fantastic. Uh, Manny, your thoughts on Zack and Miri? Yeah, uh, I have seen Zack and Miri um, make a porno. Uh, and it's so funny. Like I just said, I'm like, I actually completely forgot about this movie uh, with Kevin Smith. Um, I agree. The The chemistry between Banks and Rogan is really, really good. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan, except for most of his later films. Um, I found them hard, hard to sit through, but this is definitely one of the exceptions. As you were going through talking about his his other films, I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Did you pick Jersey Girl?" Um, <laughs> no, I did not. Um, this is gonna this is gonna come across as super cheesy and st- stupid and stuff like that, and it's a little bit of a spoiler. Um, but uh, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this. Oh god, I can't believe I'm admitting this on air. <clears throat> In the scene where Elizabeth, uh, where, where Zach and Miri have sex, um, it's incredibly well done by Kevin Smith um, because from everyone else's view, uh, it's this fuck scene in a porno. But then he cuts into a close-up of Zach and Miri, and it's all, I, I think the score is set lovely. Um, the, two of them are, the two of them are making love um, for sure, while everyone else sees it as 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 fucking um the world kind of slows down for the two of them as they have sex for the first time uh the, the first time together and obviously the first time on film and i found that really touching and i've been in those kind of moments where i'm having sex with somebody that i really care about and the whole world kind of ceases to exist around me and i'm lost in that moment um mm. of being with this person and that for me is one of the best parts of that movie um even though they're obviously fucking on top of some coffee bean bags yeah um <laughs> wearing really stupid uh, uniforms that are too yeah. small for them, and it was just a really touching scene and a really great depiction of two people getting lost in 
in each other um, while honestly, as cheesy as it sounds, as they're making love instead of fucking. Uh, and I've always that that scene's always resonated with me, and, and uh, it's obvious easily the favorite my favorite part of that movie, and that's that's like you said it that's that's not even talking about the great comedic effort, but like of Justin Long who fucking kills it as that porn star at the reunion, um, who is uh, fucking uh, Superman Brandon Routh. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I, I did look up uh, Justin Long's nickname. Uh, Justin Long has a great male porn star name, by the way, even just by himself. Like, if the acting thing doesn't work out for Justin Long, that is a fantastic porn star name right there. But uh, his nickname in the uh, in the movie is Brandon St. Randy, which, <laughs> which, is, which is another good one. Um, on the note you were talking about that with the lovemaking scene towards the end, I agree with you with how good it is. And that makes the conclusion of the movie, and again, we're not going to get into too many spoilers here, yeah. but uh, towards the end of the movie, uh, the whole thing of them fucking other people on set, you know, becomes uh, sort of a rift between them as they start to have feelings for each other. And Elizabeth Banks' character uh, is really proud and doesn't want to confess, and she's she, she's way too proud to confess her feelings for Seth Rogen's character. So when he confronts her with this, and she just says, no, I, you misunderstood. It was just fucking on set. Uh that scene actually is really heartbreaking to me as she as she breaks his heart i really really enjoy that moment and then mm-hmm. of course we, the movie goes on from there but yeah a number of good both uh comedic moments and uh dramatic ones in nice. my opinion nice so that's just about all i have to say about zach and me make a porno i don't think i gave the meta score for it it's only at a 56 which in my opinion is criminal that's uh that's really really low it, it's Certainly not the type of movie that critics would like, so I guess I get it, but it's uh, I guess you can just add it on to the ever-growing uh, underrated movies list that we have going. I, I really like this one. Yeah, I get it. I can I do understand why the score is around that, um, mm-hmm. but it definitely that kind of movie definitely plays into you and I's wheelhouse in regards to comedic elements. Mm-hmm. So I understand why you think it's low, but if you... I, I rewatched it maybe just a couple of months ago, and I could I, I see the faults in it, but I, but I was thoroughly entertained. Like I like I like I said, I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith's writing and and uh, and his movies along those lines. So anyway, that is my uh, my fifth favorite rom com of all time. Uh, Manny, let's move on to your number four. My number four is the 1997 romantic comedy, My Best Friend's Wedding. This I've not is seen it. not ha- on my list. Haven't seen it. <laughs> haven't seen it <laughs> take a drink uh it's directed by pj hogan written by ronald bass it has a meta score of 50 which to Ooh, me that is that is a, that's an oof right there yeah a definite oof um <laughs> it did actually and this is not a lie it actually did get an oscar nomination for best original score oh. uh had a budget of 46 and it grossed 172 and that's uh that's 20 years ago so that's a that's a hefty sum uh, the plot, uh, when a woman's longtime friend reveals he's engaged, she realizes she loves him herself and sets out to get him with only days before the wedding. Um, this movie, again, like a lot of, like if I'm thinking about it, a lot of the movies on, on my list has just a stellar cast, has Julia Roberts, Dermot Mulroney, <clears throat> Cameron Diaz, Rupert Everett, M. Emmett Walsh, uh, Rachel Griffiths. Um, those are probably the big names. Um, it's funny, Entertainment Weekly actually just did a reunion shoot uh, on My Best Friend's Wedding 
uh, this this month. Um, I didn't get to take a look at it. Uh, I did see the cover shot, and uh, Mr. Rupert Everett, you did not age well, my friend. Uh, everyone <laughs> else still looks fantastic, uh, but Mr. Rupert Everett, you did not. Um, I uh, I went and saw this movie with one of my best friends, uh, Pandora. Hey, Pandora. Um, and this was one of our her and I's favorite movies of this year. Um, it's so incredibly well done. Um, George, who is played by Rupert Everett, steals every scene that he's in. Um, we're not again. We're not going to spoil anything. But this movie really kicks a lot of the rom com tropes, um, which is really nice. Um, it's different than most romantic comedies, and I think it's one of the reasons that I enjoy it so much. But let alone um, the scene um, where uh, George joins Julie, uh, oh, sorry Julianne, and the rest of the wedding party and family for a brunch uh, is probably the highlight of the movie. Um, thinking about it now, I'm trying not to laugh. I'm easily smiling um, because it is such a fantastic scene. I won't give it away, um, but it is. Uh, I remember watching it in the theater and, again, dying laughing. There's a lot of really great, fun moments. The chemistry between Dermot Mulroney and Julia uh, is great. They really show um, – they really give that feeling that these two have been friends for a long time. And Cameron Diaz as Kimberly Wallace is just a bubble burst of energy. Uh, a couple things. Um, usually, as we do in movies, uh, I take a look at who was cast. Um, I didn't have any of those notes for uh, 10 Things I Hate About You because I didn't have a lot of time to do research because that was the one that snuck in because of <laughs> the uh, high fidelity uh, bump. But uh, Last minute rule change. Yeah. Uh, a couple people were up for the role of um, – sorry, Drew Barrymore um, read for the role of Kimberly uh, but lost out to Cameron Diaz. Uh, when Julia Roberts actually suggested her for the part. Um, but Sarah Jessica Parker was actually offered the lead role of Julianne, uh, but she wasn't able to because uh, of her commitment to Sex and the City. Um, Dermot Mulroney was cast only after Edward Burns dropped out. Um, and, yeah, this other thing I want to say is a massive spoiler, so I'm not going to reveal that one. Um <laughs> This movie's just, it is a lot of fun. The opening scene, the opening credit scene, um, is unlike other opening credit scenes. Uh, it just, it plays out over this almost like a music video with people that aren't even in the movie. They're only in this opening credit scene. Uh, it's hard to really explain, but I remember sitting there watching it in the theater. I'm like, this is different, and I like it. Um, you, it's just, I don't know. I guess it's just kind of cute. This movie is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And, and obviously it gets a little extra bonus points for me because the uh, father of the bride, so that would be the father of uh, Cameron Diaz, is the owner of the Chicago White Sox, and they actually filmed a couple scenes during a White Sox game, and Ooh. I was trying to figure out who was on the field. <laughs> So, side note, I was trying to figure out some way to work in fever pitch to my top 10 rom-coms, but <laughs> just for you, just to get the Red Sox in there, but it uh, did not make the list, unfortunately. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all I really have for um, for uh, my best friend's wedding. Uh, for those of you that are looking for a really great rom-com, I will say right now, uh, and 
just like uh, Sam's Five, um, both um, My Best Friend's Wedding just appeared on Netflix, and uh, Zach and Miri is on Netflix as well. You guys should definitely check them out. You won't be disappointed. Well put, well put. I'm also uh, just looking at the page for My Best Friend's Wedding. It, too, uh, premiered uh, alongside a behemoth in its opening uh, weekend. Uh, that would be Batman and Robin. Uh, the 1997 classic that is uh, premiered alongside. Yeah, I definitely went and saw this. <laughs> Side note, oh my god, Batman and Robin is just one of my favorite cheesy, ter- it's one of my favorite bad movies. It's just epic, but we uh, we don't have to go down that road. Please, let's not. It's right there on my... It's right there. Oh yeah. Alright, can... Sam, your yeah. number four. All right, so this one actually uh, was at number five, and I, I decided to bump it up. Uh, again, this is one I'm sort of not totally sure how many people would consider this a pure rom-com, but it does have the tags on IMDb. It does have romance elements in it, and it's a really funny movie, so I'm going with it. It's the 2011 movie Bridesmaids. Definitely hmm, a rom-com. <laughs> I'd be, uh, you look at... I'd be interested to know if that's a rom-com as well. This, though, and it's a debate we could have for another time, this is definitely a chick flick. Oh, for sure. It's absolutely a chick flick. But this is, a great, really this, this is definitely, this is definitely a, a great selection. I, okay. Again, I, I, I do agree. I could see how this would waver on being a romantic comedy and in, in the definition of what, in my mind, I think of a rom-com is. But it does yeah. have uh, those two tags, so uh, I like this pick. Please continue. Sorry. Yeah. Well, the romance is almost sort of a B-plot in this movie. Um, 100%. Uh, arguably, you can make the case that this is also a movie about uh, sisterhood and platonic female love. So uh, 100%. I, sort, of, sort of bumps it up uh, for me as far as the rom-com goes. Definitely a chick flick. Uh, IMDb synopsis. Competition between the maid of honor and a bridesmaid over who is the bride's best friend threatens to upend the life of an out-of-work pastry chef. Excuse me. Easy for me to say. Um, so... Uh, first of all, like the cast is the obvious place to start with this movie. It's absolutely chock full of fantastically funny women. It's uh, Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, Rose Byrne, uh, Wendy McLendon Covey, who I'm not sure. Yes, there you go. Um, Ellie Kemper, who is awesome as Aaron on The Office as well. Uh, Melissa McCarthy, who, to be completely honest, I'm not generally a big fan of, but she is fucking hilarious in this movie. And then uh, Chris O'Dowd uh, is the... Uh, male lead in this movie he's the romantic interest so i mean these are some of the funniest people working in hollywood today i'm a big kristen wig fan i thought she was fucking hilarious on snl and same thing with maya rudolph um she really has a lot of opportunities to show off her comedic chops in this movie i think i mean just getting right into it the the food poisoning scene in my opinion is just one of the great physical comedy moments i mean sure it's a lot of like it's poop jokes and farts and stuff like that and it's really funny but kristen wiggs physical comedy acting in that moment is so good she's uh in the scene i think she's recommended a restaurant that they all go to before uh being fitted for their bridesmaids dresses and the one girl who she fucking hates is the only one who doesn't eat and then the rest of them get food poisoning and everyone else is like shitting themselves and she's just trying to keep it together just out of spite for this one girl just so this other girl can't say i told you so and she's sweating and trying not to dry heave and she's uh she ends up trying to eat an almond to prove that she's not sick and it's seriously it has me dying every time that i see it it's really really funny 
Um, there's another scene on an airplane where Kristen Wiig is pretty afraid of flying, and she uh, <laughs> she ends up taking some, I think, like muscle relaxers and alcohol, and ends up just getting totally zonked out of her mind. And that's another really great comedic moment. But um, in the spirit of the theme of today's show, I guess I should talk about the love interest uh, played by Chris O'Dowd, and that'd be uh, Nathan, I think his name is. We're going to go with that for now until I can find it. (laughs) So he's a total sweetheart. He's a total cutie. He's just a really soft-spoken, gentle person. Uh, He he initially meets her after uh, he's pulled her over on the side of the road for reckless driving, and uh, he lets her off with just a warning. And then they they end up uh, sort of seeing each other a couple times around town, I believe. But he's uh, an actor I actually haven't seen in a whole lot of other stuff. I don't have his uh, filmography in front of me right now. But he's he's pretty funny in this movie as well. He's got a really charming uh, Irish accent, and I love their chemistry together. Um, but again, the main attraction to this movie for me is the chemistry uh, comedically between uh, the leads, especially Kristen Wiig, Roseburn, and uh, Maya Rudolph. Um, Manny, I'm getting a little sick of the sound of my own voice. Uh, what do you think of this one? <laughs> uh, I I enjoyed this movie. Um, I didn't love it as much as everybody else did mm-hmm. um, when it came out, um, but I, I did enjoy it. Um, I am just trying – there was something else that Chris O'Dell was in that um, I really enjoyed him in, but I'm having a hard time well, finding it. Well, he was in that uh, TV show, wasn't he, um, The IT Crowd? Wasn't that him? Am yeah, I, I can see that on his his list, but I I never saw it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I can't. I'm looking through it. I I can't see which one of these ones it would have been. That oh Molly's game, that might have been it. I, right. Yeah. All right. Well, well, whatever. Um, it's it definitely had its highlights. Um, and again, I agree. Like again, with with it's so funny. Like. The more I kind of think about it, um, the casting in rom-coms is usually like top-notch, um, and this is a fantastic, uh, fantastic cast. I agree with Melissa McCarthy. I, I find her irritating, um, but not in this movie. Um, this movie did get two uh, Oscar nominations. Melissa McCarthy got nominated for Best Supporting Actress, uh, and it did get a screenplay nomination as well. Uh, well deserved. Um, this is the kind of movie that. Um, you th- really wish that Hollywood would learn a lesson from um, where if you it's a little bit ahead of its time if you have a very female driven cast and you give them great material to work with they're going to hit it out of the park and people are going to come in droves to come watch it um, and that's exactly what happened um, it's, I, I wish it would happen more often because unfortunately a lot of times when they try to make um, uh, female driven movies like this it ends up turning into something like bride wars where i want to fucking kill myself um which honestly might be in my top 10 most hated movies of all time by the way so for those of you holding out hope that this made my list not gonna fucking happen (laughs) um yeah bridesmaids is that's a fantastic pick um it does make the list um based on the criteria we've set forth but for me i don't really f- personally again it's just the feeling i get i don't think of this movie as a rom-com definitely a comedy um but the romance is such a, a, a it is such a b plot um it is for me the the this the main plot is the sisterhood of these people and and the friendship between um the bride and the the, the maid of honor these are the benefits that come with making the rules is that you can abuse the loopholes as much as you want when it comes to the genres yes um, 
Much like but, how Tremors made our horror list. Yeah. <laughs> made your horror list. Yes. True. <laughs> True. Um, one other aspect I wanted to touch on, I, I did briefly say that the chemistry between uh, the leads was all really good, but uh, the relationship between Annie, who's played by Kristen Wiig, and uh, Rose Byrne's character, whose name I don't have in front of me right now, uh, real quick, I can't find it too late, um, but their, their way of competing against each other while trying to be polite at the same time and... You know, preying off each other's insecurities like Rose Byrne is always trying to flaunt how much money she has uh, you have a name? Helen Helen, thank you so Annie and Helen are constantly going back and forth throughout this movie um, and I really like Helen as a villain just because like I said she can prey on Annie's insecurities mostly financially and uh, about getting close with one of her lifelong friends and as great as a character as Annie is, she has a lot of flaws. She's a really jealous person. She's a really petty person. Um, and I love all of those flaws in her characters and how they manifest themselves in, in really, really, really funny ways. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I want, just want to touch on I want to give a shout-out to one of the other people that you mentioned. I actually completely forgot until I was just kind of perusing this um, as I was looking through. Um, she plays... Uh, sorry, uh, she plays Rita. It's uh, Wendy McClendon Covey. Um, yeah. She plays the mom on the Goldbergs. Oh, okay. And that show is fucking pure brilliance. Um, it obviously plays right into my nostalgia um, because it's about a, a young kid growing up in the 80s. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I love I love that show, The Goldbergs. I just wanted to give Wendy McLennan Covey a big shout-out because on The Goldbergs, she is phenomenal. Um, I Unfortunately, honestly, I don't really remember much of her from The Bridesmaids because she's so overshadowed by pretty much the other ones as well. Yeah, definitely. And there, there is one other comedic performance that I actually didn't list off in the cast who I really like in this movie, and it's basically the only other man in this movie. That's John Hamm. <laughs> John Hamm is fucking funny in this movie. That guy needs to do more comedy stuff. He's a very talented uh, actor. I actually haven't watched a lot of Mad Men, to be honest with you. No? Um, no, I haven't. Oof. Oof. Fuck me, is that guy ever funny? He's also in a movie that both you and I love, uh, The Town. And he has a couple of great comedic moments in that movie as well, even though it's more of a drama. Um, but he plays just a perfect asshole in this movie. He's... Uh, Kristen Wiig's fuck buddy at the beginning uh, of the movie, and he's just such a fucking asshole. Uh, basically just using and abusing her. Um, yeah, he plays basically the perfect opposite to Chris O'Dowd's character, so uh, so kudos to Mr. John Hamm as well. Nice. <laughs> That's just about everything I have to say about that. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned the Metascore. I certainly didn't, but it is sitting at a 75 right now, so certainly pretty high for a comedy. Um, but... Uh, definitely high for a rom-com as well uh whether or not it is one is debatable but that's my number four bridesmaids from 2011 uh manny your third favorite rom-com of all time my third favorite rom-com of all time is the 2011 romantic comedy Ooh, crazy stupid love you want to know something i do I own this movie it's uh, still in the plastic yet to be watched you, but you you own it, but you've never seen it. Never. I was in the I was in the movie store one day. I saw the Blu-ray, nice and cheap, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll pick that up. And that was probably oh, about four years ago, and it's uh, still in the plastic underneath my uh, coffee table. That is fucking awesome. 
<laughs> well, Crazy Stupid yeah. Love. Uh, it's directed by Glenn Ficarra and, Jen, and John Rakua. Rakua? Who cares? Uh, they're not listening. Uh, it's written by Dan Fogelman. Has a Metascore of 68, a budget of 50 million, and grossed 142. Uh, the plot: A middle-aged husband's life changes dramatically when his wife asks him for a divorce. He seeks to rediscover his manhood with the help of a newfound friend, Jacob, learning to pick up girls at bars. This cast, again, as we continue to say, is stellar. Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Julianne Moore, Emma Stone, uh, Joey King, Marissa Tomei, Kevin Bacon, John Carroll Lynch, Josh Groban. Um, It is such a great movie. And again, uh, it kind of bucks a couple of the rom-com tropes, which I like. I won't get into in detail because, again, I I don't want to spoil anything. Um... The chemistry between Gosling and Carol um, is so much fun. Uh, Ryan Gosling taking up his sexy man uh, factor to the factor of a thousand. He is every woman's dream come true uh, in this movie, especially in one scene, which I won't get into. Um, but every girl that watches this dreams of this moment happening for them as it's literally a dream come true for I'd say about 95% of women and not even the fact that it's Ryan Gosling that's in it, but there's just something that happens that I will not divulge. Um, the chemistry between, uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone is hugely apparent. Um, I think they filmed this right before they started. No, sorry. This would be older because it's 2011. Um, but this is what leads into eventually La La Land where the chemistry between those two, again, widely apparent. Um, uh, Steve Carell uh, is so great uh, as Cal. Uh, I'm not giving anything away here because it's in the plot synopsis, but Julianne Moore is his wife and asks for a divorce. And it's in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything. It's still a great comedic moment, but it's it's the opening scene of the movie, and they're driving home, and she just blurts out that she wants a divorce, and he just wants to be left alone. <laughs> and she keeps talking, and he tells her, he's like, if you don't stop talking, I'm going to get out of the car. And she keeps talking, and he just gets out of the car while it's driving. <laughs> it's such a great moment. Um, it's it's so great, and there's multiple storylines going on, um, and how they intersect and everything uh, is a nice touch. Um, this movie is really, really good. Um, it has some really great uh, heartfelt moments. It has some really cringeworthy awkward moments that you just want the scene to be over because it's so hard to watch in regards to the awkwardness of it all um and (laughs) and josh groban uh who has a voice of angels uh plays this fucking huge dweeby nerd boy Uh, he's only in a couple scenes but he's super not a sexy man at all uh in this movie um it's a lot of fun uh for anybody looking for a a really good time and some really good laughs uh and again for any of you women out there that dream of i uh, one of your dreams coming true this movie will make it happen um so please check out crazy stupid love yeah i'm looking at uh, josh groban's page right now i had to scroll through a whole lot of music to get to the filmography it's pretty pretty tiny Looked like that was his film debut. You say he's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's. I think he's only got two scenes. They're, okay, they're they're super minor, and it, like honestly, it didn't even need to be Josh Groban, but he just plays he plays this lawyer who's just a, a uh, 
he's just dumb he's just a nerd uh, i do like i do like those sorts of castings though where someone really odd like almost like a singer or someone like that is cast and it's almost worth it just for the what the fuck is that josh groban yeah fact? that's like... exactly what i said when i saw him I'm like holy fuck is that josh groban um but yeah, yeah it's um I was going to I ha, I had a couple, a couple other notes but again they they kind of contain a little bit of spoilers and stuff like that. Um so I don't want to go over them but there's a lot like I said there's a lot of really great uh heartwarming scenes and a lot of great comedic scenes. Um this is this one really took me by surprise when I I can't remember why I watched it or who made me watch it. I think maybe I saw some reviews saying it was really good uh and ended up checking it out and I'm not disappointed. Um really this is ryan gosling ryan gosling it up it is it is it's a lot it's a lot of fun crazy stupid love please check it out he he ryan gosles a lot he really does <laughs> so on a side note uh, if i'm not mistaken i think i'm pretty sure it's in this movie but there's this i don't even want to say it's a meme or these videos have you ever heard of this ryan gosling won't eat his cereal mm, oh yeah no i have seen that okay well in this movie he eats his cereal <laughs> Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I saw that in one of the notes I took, and that made me laugh because that whoever made the, that those videos of Ryan Gosling not eating his cereal, fucking hilarious. Yeah, this is a movie I'm very surprised that I haven't seen, actually. Not only because I own it, but because, again, we've talked at length about the casts of these movies, but Steve Carell is just, like, a god to me, comedically. I, the Office is one of my favorite shows. Um, he's in a variety of just hilarious movies that uh, we could... You know, we could talk about it at length, I'm sure. But I love him. Ryan Gosling, we've talked about as being a great dramatic actor as well. And then, of course, he has really good comedic chops. Uh, Emma Stone is Emma Stone, and she's quite good as well. So uh, this is a head-scratcher for me because those names alone should be enough reason for me to watch it. And I have seen a couple of the, maybe not famous scenes, but I've seen a couple of scenes from this movie. I've seen the one you were talking about where he throws himself in the car um, I've seen the one uh, where Ryan Gosling takes his shirt off in front of Emma Stone and she like freaks out on him so it's like he's fucking photoshopped uh, <laughs> oh, he looks good <laughs> yeah so I- I've seen I've seen a couple little moments from it here and there but yeah that'll have to be elevated on my list although the more we talk about these movies the more movies are going to get elevated above it I'm sure yes. so yeah, crazy stupid love alright awesome Sam <laughs> you're number three so this is far and away the oldest movie on my list. Uh, I've debated whether or not to put it on there. It has been a while since I've seen it all the way through, but uh, it's a very iconic movie. It's a very good movie. And in my opinion, it is a rom-com. Maybe you'll disagree. Again, I'm going by IMDb here, people. Um, that was a 1993 movie, Groundhog Day, starring Bill Murray. Uh, sir, <clears throat> that is on my list. No, it isn't, really. Yes, it is. We were wondering if we'd have any overlap whatsoever. <laughs> well, it's my, like number, we it's my number two, so why don't you just keep going? Because yeah, it, was, it okay. was what was next. <laughs> I'm so happy we have this overlap. This is Me good. too. So, I'm so excited right now. Uh, so, it, like I said, it's made in 1993. Uh, it has a 72 meta score. Um, let's see if I have. Uh, it's directed by Harold Ramis, uh, written by Danny Rubin and Harold Ramis. It stars Mr. Bill Murray, of course, Andy McDowell, and uh, Chris Elliott. Uh, it was a budget of $14.6 million and grossed $70.9 in North America. Uh, the plot synopsis was a weatherman finds himself inexplicably 
living the same day over and over again. I am actually wearing my Bill Murray socks for the second week in a row. Don't worry, I did take them off in between episodes, so I haven't been wearing them consistently since. I am wearing uh, my Freddy Krueger socks. <laughs> Is that, you say you did wear the Freddy Krueger socks? I or am, you... Yeah, I got them on. Oh, okay, perfect. <clears throat> Um, but this movie is actually one that I was sad I couldn't rewatch this Groundhog Day. I used to watch it every year, actually. I mean, it's on TV, so that's basically everybody's tradition, I'm sure. Um, but it's a really, really touching movie. It Bill Murray is clearly the main attraction in this movie. He has just an awesome character arc. Uh, he starts off as this huge asshole, and he only is really trying to get... Um, I forget the female uh, main character's name, Rita. Rita. Uh, he's he's trying to get Rita to sleep with him through all these means of like manipulation and tr- trying to like find all these really slimy ways to to get in her pants. And then he he does all these shitty things when he first finds out he's in this loop. He really is a despicable character. And through the course of the movie, it's only when he becomes selfless and starts realizing that what he wants to do is help people and have a more optimistic o- outlook once he accepts the situation. It's only then that Rita fully falls in love with him. And that's just something that I really don't think you saw from romance movies in the 90s. It was certainly uh, very unorthodox. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm sure you could find more examples having seen more 90s movies than I have. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, your your thoughts on Mr. Mr. Murray? Oh, we, talk about, <clears throat> we talked about last episode on how Lost in Translation uh, was his finest performance. Um, I might actually have to go back on my word. This, I think, might be... I don't know, every performance of his is his finest performance. This is Bill Murray at his absolute best. Um, I I cannot get enough of this movie, uh, and hence why it's number two on my list. Um, <clears throat> I love everything about this movie. I love the story. I love the plot. I love the plot device. I like the chemistry between Bill Murray and Andy McDowell. Um, I love the character arc that he goes through. I like the idea of this movie. Um, I love debating on how long he was trapped in this time loop um there's so much going on um there's so many great characters there's so many great things i and i always wonder i'm like was filming this any fun were they just could they just retake could they just use shitty takes as part of a, a part of the loop or would they have to really redo everything again and again and again and again and again for the purpose of this movie um i I just love this movie. It gets really close to bringing me to tears, um, but it's actually not uh, at the end of the movie. It's actually on him and Rita's first great date. Um, I can't remember the song playing over it, but when they're dancing in that gondola and it's snowing, um, it is beautiful. It's a beautiful shot. It's a beautiful moment. And you can really sense the love that he has for her because he's lived this day over and over again. Um, and it's not, it's at this point, it's not about trying to get into her pants. It's about really getting to know her. Um, there's so many great little trivia things, uh, on this movie. Um, I actually just watched this just a few weeks ago. I introduced this movie, uh, two of my friends hadn't seen it. Uh, uh, shout out to Katie and Tanea. Um, they hadn't seen this movie, and so I made them watch it, uh, and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. Um, they did mention on what a big asshole Phil Connors is, 
um, but um, they they did uh, they did the, enjoy the way he redeemed himself. Uh, I mentioned to you a while ago um, that this is the film debut of one of our great actors, Michael Shannon. Um, yes, that's right. That's that was a long time ago. We were talking about uh, Shape of Water probably last year. Hey. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he is in this movie. He's the married couple that he gives WrestleMania tickets to. Um, it's just so much fun. Uh, I, I honestly can't get enough of this movie. I can, I can like the movie itself. I can watch this over and over and over again. Yeah, it's it's sort of the funny thing is that with how repetitive this movie is, just by its nature, you would think that it would completely lose its rewatchability, but it's actually not the case. It's a really rewatchable movie, and you can get lots of it on repeat viewings. Oh yeah, and that's it's so true. And like uh, one of the quotes from this movie that I still to this day say, there's two. Um, I still love. Watch that first step. It's a doozy. <laughs> Thank you, Ned Ryerson. And then the yeah. other one I say all the time is, don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. Well, there's also, I mean, like the line I think that you probably hear most in this movie is the guy who stops him on the on the street. Is it, uh, what's his buddy with the glasses name? Is it Ned? That's Ned, Ned Ryerson. Needle Ned Ryerson. Ned. Yeah, okay. He's just like, Phil? Phil Connors? Just his <laughs> delivery of that line every single time. <laughs> And how you can just see it grating on Bill Murray every fucking time he hears it. <laughs> he knocks him the fuck out one day. <laughs> it's just, there are so many good comedic moments in this movie. Um, he, when he's learning uh, her drink, uh, when he's learning her drink order. Yeah, and, sweet and vermouth with a twist. Yeah, exactly. And then he, he tries it and uh, <laughs> he, he just like is cringing in the background. <laughs> and uh, she, he says, uh, they'll toast the groundhog. And she, like, he has to keep going back and like, yes, re- redoing all these things. And he recites this French poem. There's this look on his face when he recite when she says, oh, I studied uh, French poetry or 19th century French poetry. And he recites this really this beautiful French poem. She says, oh, I didn't know you spoke French. And he just says, we oui. oui. <laughs> the look <laughs> on his face is fucking hysterical in that moment i uh i mean it's uh if we can say that lost in translation is bill murray's best uh dramatic performance this is probably as you said his best comedic one it's fucking really really good and again we're not spoiling the ending but the ending just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside like oh, groundhog and yeah. it's uh it's very nice yeah it really does uh and again there is so much happening on the background um one thing i missed because as i was doing research for this um when he goes to the hospital uh with the old man um you can see in the background there's a boy getting a uh, cast put on his leg it's the boy he saved falling from the tree <sighs> just li- again little touches it's fucking amazing um yeah. this movie um there was actually a couple people um, that Harold Ramis tried to cast ahead of uh, uh, Bill Murray for the lead role. Would you like to hear some of them? I would love to hear some of them, man. Um, some of these, the, the, this, this is the first one, and I think he would have been really great, but I wouldn't have believed him in the first part of the movie where he's the asshole, and that's Tom Hanks. Yeah, I could never believe Tom Hanks to be an asshole. He's yeah. too pure. Yeah. Um, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and John Travolta were also up for the role. They could all play the asshole. Yeah. Um, and this one actually probably wouldn't have been too bad, but again, I just can't picture any other um, other than Bill Murray, and that's Michael Keaton. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. Honestly, I th- think Chevy Chase would have been an interesting way to go for that. I uh, I, I like him uh, comedically. He's never really 
branched out to do anything too dramatic, but I, I like him. I don't mind Chevy Chase. I think with Chevy Chase, I th- I think it would have been too slapstick. I don't yeah, think I, I don't think I would have felt the real heart. Um, yeah, Bill that, Murray definitely knows how to walk that tightrope of uh, not going too far into pure comedy. Yeah, he uh, he. I agree. Um, there's a couple. Uh, these are a couple things. Um, little bids. Uh, it actually wasn't filmed in Punxsutawney. I actually thought it was filmed in Punxsutawney, uh, but it's not. It was actually filmed in, in Woodstock, Illinois. Um, there's a small and there's a small plaque that reads "Bill Murray stepped here on the curb where he continually stepped in the puddle." And there's another plaque on the building uh, on the building wall of the corner that says "Ned's Corner," while Bill Murray is continually accosted by insurance salesman Ned Ryerson. <laughs> that's great um this is a really weird one uh i just wanted to share it with you because it's yeah, cool. i love conspiracy theories and stuff like that <clears throat> though uh the winning bid for phil connor's in the bachelor auction is 339 dollars and 88 cents and the amount to this day appears arbitrary but there is an interesting coincidence if the decimal is dropped 33,988 days works out to precisely 93 years and 43 days minus a minute. From January 1st, 1900, and not counting leap days, 93 years and 43 days ends on February 12th, 1993, the day Groundhog Day was released in theaters. <laughs> Pass around the tinfoil hats, everyone. <laughs> that is that is a doozy. <laughs> Watch your first step. It's a yeah, doozy. That is a doozy. Um... I want to see if I could find this one more thing. Uh, just before we leave it, um, I always love asking people, how long do you think that he was trapped in that time loop? Uh, I honestly don't know. Um, I haven't done any of the uh, any of the research into it. I'm sure that you have. I always got the the uh, I was always under the assumption that it was either like hundreds of years or like thousands of years or I, I don't I don't even know, but some massive time frame that's not really easy to perceive i always my i, I always can't i i i always say 100 percent that he was in there for like i was saying at least 10 20 years that was yeah. my guess um so there was uh i i actually don't know why i did um according to the website wolf nards <laughs> uh bill murray spends eight years eight months and 16 days trapped in groundhog day the Movie Truth Review Series calculated Murray spent 4,576 days, so 12 years, 6 months, and 11 days, stuck in the loop. That's really, like, really precise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while the website Obsessed with Film claims he was trapped for 12,403 days, just under 34 years, in order to account for becoming a master piano player, ice sculptor, etc. That's that's where I would agree with those ones. Like, he becomes... he. To become like an ice sculptor, I'm thinking of myself. I have no artistic talent. For me to become an ice sculptor, I'd have to be in there for years. That's just for one skill. To become an expert piano player, to like all those times that he say, like all the ways he killed himself and all the things that he did, he was in there, I, I honestly think, decades. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I've not crunched the numbers in depth, but yeah, decades seems like a conservative estimate to me. But yeah, and like as a simple one, like if you, again, we're spoiling something here, but it's a it's a minor moment. But when he when he robs the armored car, like he's sitting there, and he even knows when the when the gust of breeze walks by. Like how many times would you have to sit there to remember all of that just for that? Let alone like you can see how many times he has to remember the things on the date. So people that say he was like in there for a year or two, I'm like, you're 
fucking you're ridiculous like that it's not that's not even close yeah i agree with that too many too many minor things he has to remember uh too many like even in the scenes with uh with rita when he's going on the dates with her and he has to remember every little detail about her life and her likes and her dislikes and figure out how to exploit them to the best of his ability that in itself is just like a crazy amount of time like and you you have to know that when he learns one of these details he doesn't immediately just like reset and then he like he can go back to the beginning of the scene like we see in the editing he has to live out the rest of the day go to bed and then live out the beginning of the day up to that point and remember it at that point and he can't take notes over time he can't he can't mark any write any of this stuff down or anything it's all up in his head so mm-hmm. yeah i think there's so much of this information that would fall out after just one repetition he had to have been in there for decades and decades easy. yeah totally and that and that's just with rita and like he like he learned almost everybody in the whole town anyways yeah. Yeah, uh, this is very important to the movie, by the way. I don't know. <laughs> yes, um, which is actually funny. Like we talked, all we did was talk about Bill Murray. We barely talked about Annie McDowell. Yeah, um, she's really adorable in this, and I love the way that she's. I find her believable. Um, it's funny as the movie goes along, and and Phil Connors starts becoming a better man. She still thinks of him as that asshole from the beginning, and you as the audience, you're just like, just give him a chance, just give him a chance. He's different now. But in her eyes, he'll have just changed miraculously overnight. In his eyes, and in the audience's eyes, we've been with him for years at this point, and he's he's not picked up on uh, on anything. Yeah, they share they share a nice chemistry. It's not it's not the greatest chemistry. Um, this movie ranks so high, pretty much based on Bill Murray's performance, the comedic elements. But again, um, the romance in this is really nice um, because that's what he's working towards is becoming a better person and becoming this person that um, deserves to be with someone like Rita. Yeah, I concur with all of that. I think Mr. Murray showed his uh, his mastery of the art of acting again, and we're, we're all better off for it. And I will continue to watch this movie over and over and over again as if I was living in it. Awesome. So that was your number three. So that's my number two. So that puts us right back to you, Sam. Sam. Ooh, all right. You're the reverse number. direction card is like we're playing Uno. I know. You're number two. All right. So we talked a little about Steve Carell already, did we not? We did. Well, let's talk about him some more. <laughs> can uh, I guess this one then? <laughs> yes, you certainly can. This is uh, the 2005 film? Yes. The 40-Year-Old Virgin. My God, you must be psychic. <laughs> it was the 2005 film, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Manny, I take it you have seen this movie, but it did not make your list. Uh, it did not make my list, no. Okay. I'll I only have it. one left on my list, and it was not this. It was not. I already know what I think the last one on your list was, so it doesn't surprise me. Um, 40-Year-Old Virgin is sitting on a 73 meta score. Uh, it was directed by Judd Apatow and written by Judd Apatow and Steve Carell. Stars Mr. Steve Carell and a whole whack of other people, including our old friend Elizabeth Banks. Oh, two shout-outs in one episode. Who'd have thunk it? Um, the plot synopsis on IMDb. Goaded by his buddies, a nerdy guy who's never done the deed, that's in quotation marks, only finds the pressure mounting when he meets a single mother. So, as following with our rules, again, a lot of people would argue this is really more of a straightforward comedy. It's like has way more raunchy elements, and people remember the funny stuff more than they remember the romance. That being said, it does have the comedy and romance tags on IMDb, so I'm going with it. Fuck all y'all. I am sticking by my guns on this one. Anyway, um, this movie is 
one that I think probably could not be made today in 2019. This is a movie that has a lot of raunchy jokes, and a lot of its scenes are, if so politically incorrect by today's standards, that you would get in so much hot water. There's one famous scene in this movie where Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen go back and forth. Uh, the, the famous, you want to know how I know you're gay scene. Such a great scene. It's such a great scene. And if you ask anyone who's watched this movie, they'll probably say that was their favorite scene of this movie. And it's really, really funny. But again, in 2019, there's no way you could release a movie with that sort of scene in it. Oh, which is so sad because it's yeah. it's not. Uh, and I, I apologize to any of our LGBTQ listeners out there, but it's it is a funny scene and it's the yeah. kind of humor that I enjoy. Um, it's just too, it's not gay bashing. It's just guys oh, having fun with one another. My, my argument for that scene is that the scene is designed to show how stupid they are. Yes. That's my argument for that scene. The joke isn't that, haha, they're gay. The joke is, wow, these guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> just going back, talking about how gay each other are. Um, but I mean, I could list off the comedic moments in this movie. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, uh, chest waxing scene. Oh. Uh, <laughs> To, to this day, I shit you not, I should have had this pulled up on my phone even before, but uh, my text tone uh, when I don't have my phone on silent is Steve Carell going, ah, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> like in that scene. Hold on, let's see if I can find that real quick. Text tone. No, Kelly Clarkson! <laughs> <laughs> How great is that? <laughs> so good. Yeah, people are always uh, pretty shocked to hear that, but yes. So, yeah, this movie I really like. It has a number of good scenes, and I think the romance, again, if we're sticking with the theme of the episode today, the romance in this, again, even if it is a B-plot, is really well done in that it's really sensitive to Steve Carell's uh, sort of wants and desires and needs or things he doesn't need. Um, Because this movie is basically him being pressured by his friends to do something that he really doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to have sex. He just doesn't feel like he's comfortable doing that yet. And there's so much societal pressure around him, especially from uh, the uh, the guys in his life to do it. And he just doesn't think he's ready yet. And uh, his uh, his romantic interest is completely understanding of that. And it's if you compare it to a movie like, I don't know, any other sex comedy of the early 2000s, really, the the final scene is almost always them uh, getting the girl and having sex. Just like, I mean, again, they get married in the end, so it is what it is. But, I mean, I just think it was such a, uh, for a movie as raunchy as it is and a movie as obsessed with sex as it is, um, the way they treated their relationship was quite tasteful, at least in my opinion. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts. I, again, I've been uh, rambling on as I do. You're supposed to ramble on. This is yes, your pick. Right, yeah. It's so, always so funny how you, you feel guilty when you're the one talking. Yeah, but now it's your turn to ramble. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, this, this movie is fantastic. Again, much like um, your bridesmaid's pick, <clears throat> I don't think of this as a rom-com. To me, this is just a straight-up comedy. Um, but again, we, we play by the rules that we've set forth, uh, so it fits into uh, to what we've picked. Um, this movie is absolutely hilarious. Um, the romance is definitely the B-plot. Um, the main plot is about this man um, and his virginity. Um, it is funny. Like, he doesn't really get – he doesn't really feel any pressure to have sex until it comes out that he is a virgin. Um, prior to that, it doesn't – they don't really – 
in the very few moments before the rest of the world finds out that he's a virgin, he doesn't feel any pressure to have sex. He's just living the life that he's living and appears to be enjoying it. Um, I like that Catherine Keener um, is okay with him being a virgin. She treats it well. Um, it's, it's, it's just so great. There are so many great scenes uh, in this movie. Um, but de- definitely this is, I can see this, de- for me, this definitely is not a rom, this is not a rom-com. Um, okay. IMDB disagrees. That's I, fine. I, that's a 100%. That's, and that's why we set forth these rules. Um, hence why I had to kick high fidelity off my list. Um, yeah. but you know, uh, yeah, um, it, it, this is this is a fantastic movie, and it's so funny. And the more I think about it, there's so many other great scenes. Um, there's a you know there's a small, uh, and I I about to say this in, in no way meaning to disrespect, but there's a small part with Kevin Hart. Don't mean to yeah. say small. Um, that's absolutely hilarious. Um, there's a, a fantastic amount of comedy um, in this movie. This is definitely uh, a, a great pick on on your part. Uh, I, 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 like I said, this is the third time I've said it. I don't think of this as a rom-com, um, but there is romance, uh, and definitely a lot of great comedic, um, moments throughout this movie. This movie is gut busting hilarious. Yeah. The, the last thing I really did want to talk about in depth was just the character arc of, uh, of Steve Carell's character. Um, again, I'm so bad at the character names, Andy, um, the, at its heart, I mean, this movie, is what I like about romance movies is they always have these individual character arcs and then they have to interact with uh, with the arc of their relationship and they usually interact in interesting ways. Andy is really trying to find a way to be comfortable with himself through most of this movie. He's facing all this pressure, not only sex-wise, but just about who he is, about being a nerd and... I mean, as a couple of nerds ourselves, I'm sure we can both relate. People yeah. telling us, they're just like, oh, com- comics are stupid, or, or these movies are stupid, or, I mean, he plays video games, and all this stuff that he loves and really cares about. And, his, a- and his action figures. Yeah, he has to deal with people constantly telling him about how stupid these things are. And at the end of the movie, it's it, the end of his character arc coincides with him uh, getting the girl back, and it coincides with the moment of him basically just saying, fuck everyone else, I'm going to be who I want to be and I'm going to do what I want to do and for a comedy movie I just love how well that portion of the part is a portion of the plot excuse me is treated and how mature that is for a a comedy movie like this to impart that sort of message so that's the last thing I have to say about that um I I just want to touch on one thing that's completely unrelated to anything I shouldn't say anything it's we're talking about like our favorite scenes there's Mm -hmm. I quote this from this movie all the time, and I wanted to find it, and I just found out that I'd been misquoting it the whole time. I know the worst I, offense that a film nerd can do. I know it's because I actually I I honestly don't remember her dropping the f bomb in this scene, but it's when he goes home with Nikki, who is played um, by Judd Apatow's wife, uh, Leslie Mann. Right, and she's like, "I'm starving. Let's get some fucking French toast." That <laughs> delivery of that line fucking kills me but i actually don't remember her saying fucking i always just remember her saying let's get some french toast that's so good i say that all the time the the one from this movie that i will say until the end of time 
is uh, saying that a woman's breast feels like a bag of sand. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my favorite line of this entire movie. Oh, so stupid. That is fantastic. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, that's all. That's all I had. That's all I wanted. Yeah, that's, that's all I have to say about that. I've said my piece and we are, we are in the big time now. We're at the number ones. Number one. Well, I'm interested to hear your number one to see if it actually is going to be a rom-com. Um, Spoiler alert, it's really not, but... <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. All right, so my number one, um, this is the movie that really kind of... Hmm. Really kind of shaped my life and my idea on love and all these kind of things. Um, my number one rom-com is the 1989, in my opinion, classic... When Harry Met Sally. And as Manny and I discussed before we came on air here, I unfortunately, this is a glaring omission from my uh, from my film repertoire, unfortunately, have not seen this one. Yeah, so that means you haven't seen four of my five, and I've seen all of yours. Well, honestly, to this point. Yeah, I, I honestly am not sure if you've seen my number one. Right. But, you know, I, I if you had told me coming into this that I'd seen four or five of yours, I would have told you that's an overestimation. <laughs> the only one on yours that I've seen was the one that was also on my list <laughs> <laughs> all right when harry met sally it's 1989 uh it's directed by rob reiner uh written by nora efron a meta score of 76 it did get an oscar nomination for best original screenplay it had a budget of 16 million and grossed 92 million uh the plot harry and sally have known each other for years and are very good friends but they fear sex would ruin the friendship um this movie is was groundbreaking in a lot of ways um, there is, this asks the very important question that people struggle with still to this day. Can men and women be friends? And this movie tells you that they can and that they can't. Um, there's so many moments, uh, in this movie that I love. There's so many great uh, scenes, and this is Billy Crystal at the height uh, of his comedic genius. Um, there's obviously the iconic um, scene in the Delicatessen um, with um, with Sally uh, faking an orgasm. Um, there's, in regards to that, because um, this is obviously well before your time, Sam. But yes. uh, this movie, I'm pretty sure, is credited with making it public and common knowledge that women fake orgasms. Um, really? Yes. People so, weren't picking up on it before, hey? Uh, well, at the time, I was only 14 when this came out, so I wasn't incredibly sexually active at that age. Shocker. Um, <laughs> the 14-year-old virgin. Yeah. Um, but... There's no real references to women faking orgasms prior to this that I'm really aware of. And it's fun watching this movie with couples and the awkward shifts of the boyfriend and the girlfriend. <laughs> um, it's, it's awesome. Um, it's, it has one of the best one of the best love lines in movies um <laughs> it's it's definitely this movie definitely makes me cry not every time i watch it um <clears throat> but fairly often <clears throat> um 
I don't want to read the line as much as I really do want to read the line, but I obviously am not going to. Um, it's It has this other really cool feature that uh, at the time when the movie came out, uh, I loved. When I rewatched it on VHS, I loved. When I rewatched it on DVD, I loved. And it's when I watched it on Blu-ray and I watched the making of documentary that my heart was broken. Um, because there are these little vignettes that they throw throughout the movie of these um, these old couples retelling the story of how they met and how they fell in love. Um, it's not important to the plot, um, but it's just helping kind of separate these chapters in this movie. And the stories are incredibly touching and so absolutely amazing. And these old people telling it are so cute and adorable. And then I found out that they're actors. Um, because none of these people telling these stories are anybody I've ever seen in film before. Um, and they're all old and they all look frail and they all look like they've been together for years. And I always believe that they were real and they're not. Um, we're going to, we're going to have to have a talk about Santa Claus as well after we're, what I did learn, uh, what I did learn though, is the stories, um, the stories themselves are real. Um, Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron actually tried to get the people that actually have these stories as their lives tell them, um, but they just didn't know how to work with a camera that well. They would pause too much and stuff like that. They just weren't good on camera, so they hired actors to tell these people's stories. So the stories are real, but the people telling them are obviously actors. Um, But the stories are just so incredible. Um, I absolutely love them. They're just these little touches. Um, I, I haven't even touched on the cast, um, we have Billy Crystal playing Harry and Meg Ryan in her star-making performance as Sally Albright. Um, there's uh, Bruno Kirby who plays uh, Billy Crystal's best friend, Jess, and one of the very first women I ever loved, Carrie Fisher. Uh, yeah, playing Marie. Um, she's so great in this movie. Um, playing Sally's best friend. There's so many fantastic scenes and moments that just warm my heart and tickle me and make me giggle. Um, There's Meg Ryan. There's just so much I want to get into. Um, But since you and I have kind of discussed the pretty good possibility of kind of diving into our number ones on this list uh, in full... Uh, maybe I'll save a lot of the stuff I want to discuss um, for those episodes if we decide to do it. Um, so the main things I'll get into, he, you know what? You know what? I'm not even getting into those because uh, I think you and I are, are going to do those episodes where we're going to watch uh, both of our number ones and dive into them in a future episode. So um, I'm going to leave a lot of the... I'm going to leave a lot of the trivia stuff for those episodes, including the casting, um, because I'd like to get your opinion on whether or not these people would have been good in those roles. So uh, I'm just going to leave that uh, that where it is. Um, that being said, um, not giving anything away, um, this movie really shaped my life. Um, I love this movie. The soundtrack's fantastic. You being a, a music nerd, um, if we end up watching this, you're going to love it. Um, there are lots of... <clears throat> Sorry, I keep clearing my throat right on air. That's fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> you being a, a music nerd the way you are, um, even though this is set in the 80s, um, they don't use 80s music. They use timeless tunes. Um, 
even though some of them some sung by Harry Connick Jr., um, they they use classic, uh, good classic, timeless tunes uh, throughout the movie that really add uh, really add to this movie. And uh, I'm really hoping that you and I do decide to watch each other's number ones and go over because I, I would really love to rewatch this movie and dive into it uh, deeply with you. Yeah, well, that's a, it's a bold strategy of you uh, committing on air to reviewing both of our number ones before you even know what mine is. That's, I know, uh... right? <laughs> um, yeah. makes me nervous. So I did mention like this has one of movie's most famous scenes and that's um, Meg Ryan faking the orgasm. Have you seen that scene? Yeah, I have seen okay. that scene and the line to which you're referring. I, I, I'm sure I know what it is. Yeah. Also, I the audience didn't just hear what you just did, but I no, did. <laughs> I know I got that microphone off in time for that one. So only Sam was privy to that because yeah. that was a good one. It was fantastic. <laughs> but yes, I am aware of the scene that you're talking about and the line. But uh, that's that. I mean, we throw the word iconic around pretty loosely around here. But if there's one scene that deserves it that we've talked about, that's probably it. Of all romance or rom coms or comedies, that's the. That's the scene right there. In the yeah, de- definitely. That uh, I agree. That might be out of every romantic comedy. That that might be the most iconic scene mm-hmm. and or line uh, in any rom com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Since we're kind of you and I both kind of seem to be leaning towards um, to to diving into our number ones a little bit more deeply. Let me just leave everything there, and then we can uh, we can dive into stuff in more detail down down the road. Sure, I'm in for that. All right, that's my number one, When Harry Met Sally. Sam, that leaves us with your number one romantic comedy, according to IMDb and not to general knowledge. (laughs) Such bitterness in your voice when you say that, according to IMDb. So listen, uh, in the same vein that Bridesmaids uh, is a comedy with a romantic B-plot, and it also has a uh, platonic, uh, or a, a... uh, I guess a romantic B plot as far as the platonic love goes between the between the girls in it. This too, uh, my number one movie, is is technically a rom com I think, but it's certainly more of a bromantic comedy. It's not very iconic I don't think. Uh, it's not particularly well known or loved outside of people who are into these sorts of movies. As the 2009 movie I Love You Man, starring Paul Rudd. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, Manny, have you seen this movie? I do. I own it. It's on the shelf right behind me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, can oh, I get wait. your quick opinion on it before? Uh... Sorry? Can I get your quick opinion on it before I go into it? Yeah. Uh, I love you, man. Uh, does it have romance in there? Oh, it fucking does. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> Told you, man. I, this is why we set up the rules, so I can abuse the loopholes however I want. Yes. Um... I love this movie. Um, I I started to... I, I can't remember when I kind of turned into really enjoying Paul Rudd. Um, but Jason Segel, I'm a huge fan of because he's in How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Um, it, this is... This is a... This is... Oh, come on. I honestly, even off the top of my head, I can't think of a bigger bromance movie than this. This um, is the romantic comedy, in my opinion. It's so good. I agree. So good. I I love that you picked this as your number one. Yeah. Um, I love that you picked this as your number one. Actually, and one hundred percent, we're gonna be we're gonna be reviewing 
um, are number ones. I think what we should do is I think we should watch them both and just do a, both of them in one episode. Fuck, I love that. Okay, um, so I'll I'll leave you to uh, to talking about I love you, man. I'm a big I'm a big fan. This is a great this is a fantastic pick by you. Well done. Thank sir. you very much. I'm so glad you like it. I was nervous about telling you this one. Uh, that does so, mean I've seen I all love five you, man. of came your films. Came and out in 2009. Has a 70 meta score. Uh, it was directed by John Hamburg, even though it really seems like a Judd Apatow movie to me, but it's not. Um, it's arguably better. Um, stars Paul Rudd, as I said, Jason Segel, Rashida Jones, Andy Samberg, J.K. Simmons, John Favreau, Jamie Presley, you know, whoever you could possibly want in this movie, they're in it. Also has uh, a couple cameos, or I think just the one cameo, by uh, Lou Ferrigno, who uh, used to play the Hulk back in like the 70s, I think. Yep, um, One I of those old it. cheesy shows. Um we also have, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this too, I think Jolo Trulio is how you say it. Uh, he's another one of the minor characters. He's probably best known uh, for his role on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't think I have his character's name in front of me right now. It, well, at least in this show, he's uh, he plays Lonnie, but, but that's not really important. I Love You, Man is an insanely quotable movie. It is an insanely funny movie it has a great cast the minor characters in it are hilarious uh, i guess i didn't even really give the plot synopsis friendless peter clavin goes on a series of mandates to find a best man for his wedding but when his instabond with his new bff puts a strain on his relationship with his fiance can the trio learn to live happily ever after so i totally relate to peter clavin in a way that's very difficult to describe i mostly had female friends growing up I didn't have a whole lot of close male friends and seeing him go on this journey is really, really interesting. I love even the tiny little throwaway scenes of like him talking to his female coworkers and just clearly having like great chemistry and like a great bond. And then when he talks to men, he's just like completely out of his league. He gets invited to a poker night uh, where he just completely fucking embarrasses himself. And uh, John Favreau is the, the host in that scene and he just treats him like shit. <laughs> and uh you know there's, there's a variety of great great scenes in this movie but i mean it rides on the shoulders of uh paul rudd and jason siegel they have a truly remarkable bond i love the the feeling of their friendship in this movie it just feels so authentic and so real and so organic um they meet at uh an open house peter is a uh, is a realtor and Sydney just shows up to eat the free food. He doesn't even want to look at the house. And <laughs> all they do is people watch together. And it's just such a great moment. They uh, He's giving a play-by-play -play on one of the potential buyers of the house, farting all, all the way through it <laughs> and crop dusting it. And it's really fucking funny. Um, again, you touched on the fact that I am a music nerd. One of the many things this movie has going for it is a cameo by the greatest Canadian rock band of all time, Rush who I love, and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm really regretting not wearing my Rush t-shirt as we're doing this episode. Um, but, yeah, the fact that they bond over uh, music and they bond over uh, the band Rush is just so fucking awesome to me. Uh, this movie has everything. It has laughs. It has uh, tear-jerking moments. It has fantastic cameos, fantastic cast. It has Paul Rudd. I can't possibly think of anything else you could possibly want in a bromantic comedy. Nice. Nice. Yeah, well played. Well, this is a like I said, this is a great pick. This movie is great. It really does it really does highlight some guy, uh guy friendships and um uh, yeah, it's 
it does have some really great comedic moments, um, but it really is carried on the back of the relationship between um, between Peter and sorry, I forgot Jason Segel. Sydney. Sydney. Um, uh, I do love John Favreau in this movie so very much. He's um, such a fucking prick. He's such a prick. I'm such a big John Favreau fan um, yeah. as an actor. Um, his directing is kind of hit and miss with me. Um, but, um, Jamie Presley also as his wife is hilarious. Um, yeah, you're right. Everybody just knocks it out of the park in here. Um, it's such a, I'm so astounded at this pick. It does, it does kind of sneak through our rom-com rules. Um, but it fit the rules that we set forth. I, I can guarantee to you the only reason this has a romance tag on IMDb is because there's no bromance tag, but I will take it. I will take the technicality. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, I love how you sneak it in. Um, someone like T-Bone is just loving that you're working the rules to your favor. Uh, exactly. It's exactly what he does, fucker. And, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, this it, this is a fantastic pick by you. I, I, I applaud you, sir. This is such a great movie. Yeah, it's... Uh... I think on top of just being a, a really funny movie, the the thing that really gets to me about it the most, as I'm sorry, somebody's getting murdered outside my apartment, apparently, as the siren goes by. I don't know if you can hear that. I definitely could. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but I oh, completely lost my train of thought thinking about that guy getting murdered. Um, so one of the many things this movie has going for it, on top of just being really funny, is it really, uh, it really shows something that, I think a lot of guys post high school really struggle with. So from the time you're 18 to the time you die, basically something most guys have a problem with, I think is just making friends. How do you make friends? Where do you make them? Like, it's really difficult to like, I mean, the majority of the time I think at work is where you find them or, you know, certain clubs and stuff. But I mean, Peter's in, he's in, I think a fencing club and his buddies there are all assholes. He gets invited to uh, John Favreau's poker night. The guys there are all pricks, and he doesn't really fit in with them. And it's just really difficult to, to find friends and make them, and it's oftentimes the most innocuous situations where the realest friendships can bloom, and that's where uh, he meets Sydney at the open house. So yeah, I, I just love the, the look that it has at it. And, of course, the other mandates that he goes on before he uh, meets Sydney are all fucking hilarious. There's one guy who thinks that he's gay and like, because of course he does. He invited them out to dinner, so uh, so there's there's that guy. There's there's one guy who uh, is really over violent who works in the gym and his voice gets really high at everything he says. Um, that's Jolo Trulio's character. There's a guy who's like fucking a hundred years old or something like that, and all of the dates that he goes on with these potential best men beforehand are also very very funny. And then the movie really gets going when he meets Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I really can't add much to it. Now, I don't want to add too much into it because I, ne- knowing that this is your number one, one hundred percent. Now we're gonna we're gonna watch both of our number ones and dive into them deeper. You have no idea the relief I have that you actually enjoy this movie and that you like that pick. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same thing with Zach and me make a porno. I think very highly of your opinion, Nanny. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Um, so I guess that pretty much wraps up our uh, our top five rom-coms. I guess it does. Um, are we going to get into honorable mentions, I guess? Totally. Um, my, I have some honorable mentions. Yeah, I guess we probably should have done this at the beginning now that I'm thinking about it, but whatever. Yeah. Um, sort of anticlimactic, but yeah, the people want to hear it, I'm sure. Eh, sure and if whatever. they don't, I'll just turn it off. Yeah, fine. <laughs> if you don't want to hear the uh, honorable mentions, uh, then see you later. Uh, yeah. Adios!
There's the door. <laughs> um, some of my honorable mentions. Um, uh, one that I that I like that you don't like. Uh, Love Actually. Yeah, I'm not um, a fan. These are ones that I off off top of my head. I don't know if they actually fit into the uh, the rules of IMDb. Um, these are just rom coms I thought off the top of my head. So there's uh, Love Actually, obviously High Fidelity, which would have been my number two. Um, Sleepless in Seattle, Pretty Woman, Notting Hill, um, Big, uh, Fever Pitch. That was on my oh, list. Oh, it is in your honorable mentions. Oh Fucking my God. right. That's hilarious. I I will admit I do uh, I do like that movie, but as a cheesy rom com, yeah, not oh, as like a good. It's a movie. definitely cheesy rom com. And uh, Jimmy Fallon actually should have been nominated for Best Actor that year uh, because he's actually a Yankees fan. Oh, yeah, that's right. What are they thinking? That's terrible casting. I know, right? Um, uh, Chasing Amy, uh, The American President, uh, and then this is actually one that was hard for me to leave off because I love this movie so much, um, and it actually is considered one of the greatest movies of all time, and that's Some Like It Hot. Oh, yeah, which, again, I also haven't seen, but is on the list for, you know, classics for me to watch. Oh, it's so goddamn good. Um, It was really hard for me not to put it on here, but I think what it is is with this being our favorites, um, Some Like It Hot, I think I (laughs) – so funny. I think I've only seen it about four or five times. Only about four or five times, yeah. yeah. Only about four or five times, where everything on my list – um, I've definitely actually have well, crazy sexy love. I've actually only probably seen about three or four or five times. Crazy, crazy stupid love. Crazy stupid love. Crazy stupid love. Um, yes. but Groundhog Day, I've probably seen as many times as Phil has lived that day. <laughs> when Harry met Sally, I've seen well over twenty times. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm a big fan, uh, obviously, of of the five that are on my list. Um, but those are those are my uh, my honorable mentions, uh, Sam. Yeah, those are good picks. Outside of Love, actually, I have my problems with that movie for sure. Oh, <laughs> oh, one more that I actually another one I had a really hard time not putting on my list was okay. say, was say anything. Oh yeah, well okay, that was the first one uh, on my honorable mentions as well. Um, I've told the story on air before, I think, but for the two people out there who haven't heard it, when I had my wisdom teeth out at the beginning of <laughs> 2017, I guess, or at the end of 2017. Uh, I asked Manny for a list of movies I should watch while I'm on drugs. And uh, he, I asked him for like two or three, and he sent me a list of like 40 fucking movies, as well as the entire MCU. Uh, and uh, Say Anything was one of the movies on that list. And I did enjoy the hell out of it, uh, so I did want it to make this list. But I haven't rewatched it since then, so it's not entirely fresh in my mind. Uh, I did enjoy the crap out of it, but I, I couldn't quite justify putting it on the list. One quick side note in regards to that list I gave you. If I I know three movies you watched off that list. Yeah. Um, I say anything. Unforgiven and Life is Beautiful. That's a good yeah. trifecta of films. I what? good trifecta of films. <sighs> I was I was pretty happy being all drugged up watching those fantastic movies. Did you I loved watch? All three. Did you watch any other ones off that list? Uh, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to get into my messenger right now to see if I still have those messages. You know, I, I, I sent me the list on Facebook because we we weren't texting buddies back then. We didn't have a podcast, so yep. we didn't have a first number. <laughs> I'm trying to see funny. if I can find it. Um, that's that's awesome. I do. Oh. I, I always know that you watch those three, and I every time you tell that story, I always giggle. I'm like, he did only ask for a couple, and I know I sent him like forty. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a good list. I mean, to be fair, I know you're asking mainly for if I've watched any of the other ones. I don't know if I have. I don't know if I've watched any of the other ones since you've uh, since you sent me that list. We should take a look at those. I guess I should get to my other honorable. Yeah, mentions. let's do the honorable mentions. Yeah. 
So outside of say anything, I already talked about Juno, but that one, um, that one is not qualified uh, by our IMDb rules, so I couldn't include that one. The rest of these all are, as far as I can remember. So say anything was uh, Dom John, uh, knocked up, Wedding Crashers, a movie I know Manny just adores, <sighs> and uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Those are all uh, all the honorable mentions I had written down. Nice. What is it you have against Wedding Crashers? Uh, it's not, it's not as funny the second time round. Like not even close. I see. Yeah. Not like not like not even close. And I can, tell you from, I can tell you from experience, it's as funny the fifth and sixth times around. Okay, <laughs> not for me. Uh, I won't lie. When I saw Wedding Crashers in theaters, uh, I laughed pretty hard. Uh, and then I revisited it, and I was so let down. Um, granted, I'm not a big Owen Wilson or Vince Vaughn fan. Um, they both just keep doing the same shtick over and over again, and it's tiring. That's fair. Um, so yeah, not. Uh... Oh, you did you find the list? Yeah, I, f- I found the list. Holy yeah. Fuck balls. Do you want me to read off the like? I mean, we got no place to be. Do you want, do you want me to read off the list or what? Okay, well let's let's do let's do this. Uh, for those of you that uh, have no desire to listen to the list, uh, <laughs> you can definitely tune out now. We're probably not going to talk about much else. You can definitely well, tune we, out now. Why don't we preview next week's episode first? Okay, we'll, pre- we'll preview next week's episode. Um, <laughs> next week's episode is going to be the one that everybody's looking forward to. Uh, the, the most actually i'm looking forward to the one two weeks from now more um but next week uh sam and i are actually going to reveal our top 10 movies of 2018 um i'm really looking forward to seeing sam's list i have had something in my mind for a while um i think i know what sam's number one is already i think you do i'm I'm like 99 percent. The sure rest of the list is pretty up in the air, but it'll it'll be a, a massive upset if anything doesn't take home the top prize. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know what your number one is, but that that's cool. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty. I, I am super excited for this. Um, this is a throwback to our very first episode that we ever did together, so I'm excited to 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 do our top ten uh, uh, of 2018. Um, and then uh, the following week is the one I'm looking forward to even more. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that I am as well. Um, so, yeah, so everyone, we are going to be doing our top 10 of 2018 next week. Um, I, I would sign off now, but I'm not really going to. So if you if you don't want to listen to this diatribe that we're going to go on, I don't even know why we're recording it, but I refuse to press stop. I want to hear this list and record it on air. Okay, okay so everyone had their warning. If you don't want to listen, uh, thanks for listening. We had a great time. Okay, Sam, let's get into uh, this, this stupid list I gave you when you asked for a couple movies to watch while you were recovering. I'm so excited. Um, all right, so this is from October 12th, 2017. How long ago that feels. Whew. So, okay, my friend, here is a list of movies for you to check out in no particular order. <laughs> not sure which of these you have, you have or have not seen, so I apologize if you have already. Seven, The Game, L.A. Confidential, As Good As It Gets, Memento, The Usual Suspects, Lincoln, Fight Club, Some Like It Hot, The Great Escape, Stand By Me, Platoon, Fargo, Scent of a Woman, Apocalypse Now, Say Anything, High Fidelity, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Michael Clayton, Dead Poet Society, any Marvel movies you haven't already seen, JFK, Reservoir Dogs, Clerks, Clerks 2, Mallrats, Dogma, Chasing Amy, The Professional, Zero Dark Thirty, Whiplash, No Country for Old Men, Letters from Iwo Jima and Flags for Our Fathers, these have to be watched in tandem, Master and Commander, Traffic, The Insider, Collateral, Life is Beautiful, Unforgiven, A Few Good Men. There, that should do ya. <laughs> Holy fuck. 
how many of can you go back to that list how many have we talked about on this podcast i know it's insane just reading that i'm like how many have we actually talked about so we talked about uh the game we talked about uh memento i believe uh, yeah. maybe just the past i don't know have we nope. done like a full memento episode no we did it on the nolan episode yeah right so we did uh the game memento haven't touched on the usual suspects that's an interesting one um we have done hold on we've done eternal sunshine of the spotless mind yeah we've done michael clayton yeah we've done a bunch of marvel movies so i don't know how you want to classify that yeah. uh we've done let's see here did i already say the game i think i did yeah um no country for old men yeah letters from iwo jima yeah. master and commander yeah um is that it i felt like there was more oh michael clayton i missed yeah that's it's about it i think awesome it's a lot oh uh great escape i also didn't say i don't think no you didn't so eight yeah, yeah. it's not bad eh? <laughs> unreal that was that was the whole point of this podcast in the first place was for you to get movies uh you to get me to watch movies that i haven't seen yes i think that list may have been the birth of this podcast back pretty, on, oh, pretty much i think pretty much. <laughs> that was probably it unfortunately i was only drugged up for about two days so I, I made it through about three of those movies before uh before calling it quits you've seen the usual suspects right i have yeah okay. i've seen it what about okay let what since we're since we're fucking around anyways go yeah. back to the list okay. and start at the top and tell me which ones you have and have not seen okay so i have seen seven okay. and i've seen the game yeah or why don't i just tell you or and i'll do it like this so i've seen seven I've seen the game. Yeah. I haven't seen LA Confidential. Okay. I... You will be because that was not made for Best Picture. Okay. I have not seen As Good As It Gets. You will be because that was not made for Best Picture. Same year as LA Confidential. I've seen Memento. I've seen Usual Suspects. I have not seen Lincoln. Uh, that's one I'm going to have to make you watch because it was not made for Best Picture, but it was within the last 10 years. I've seen Fight Club. Uh, I have not seen Some Like It Hot, as we just talked about. Um, that's a I... long ways away. <laughs> I don't know if we'll be alive long enough to do that. One. True enough. Um, we have talked about the Great Escape. We have not talked about, or sorry, we. Uh, I've seen the Great Escape. Uh, I've, I think I've seen Stand by Me probably a while ago. Oh, that that is high on my list that I want us to watch. Uh, not seen Platoon. You will be. I've seen Fargo. I've not seen Scent of a Woman. Uh, not seen Apocalypse Now. I've seen Say Anything, not seen uh, High Fidelity. I've, of course, seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I have seen Michael Clayton. I've seen Dead Poets Society. You have seen Dead Poets Society? I've seen Dead Poets Society, oh, yeah. That is awesome. That's a good movie. Oh, um, oh uh, JFK, I have not watched. You will be. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, yes. Clerks, yes. Clerks 2, no. Mallrats, no. Chasing Amy, yes. The professional, no. Yes, we did. We did an episode on it. Oh, sorry, Leon the professional. Yeah, I see. Okay, yeah. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty, yes. Whiplash, yes. No Country for Old Men, yes. Letters from Iwo Jima, yes. Flags for Our Fathers, no. Don't do it. Western Commander, yes. Traffic, no. Oh, traffic's coming up soon. Insider, no. Collateral, yes. Uh, Life is beautiful, yes. Unforgiven, yes. A few good men, no. Awesome. (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of Best Picture nominees in there, so we'll be getting to them. Man, I'll, uh, we won't do this right now on air because we've already uh, bloated this thing up enough, but yes. uh, I'll be interested to see. I think when I responded to you, I said, I've remotely seen about 15 to 25% of these. Uh, I, I'm curious to see what the exact count is now. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. 
Okay, we should probably get going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, thank you everyone for tuning in, if you still are. Yes, totally. Um, we have... Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating so you can increase our profile so more people can listen to us. And I can see why fewer people are since we go on diatribes like this. Yeah. Um <laughs> Please like and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. If you'd like to email us, if you'd like to be old school, you can reach us at Sam Manny movie podcast at gmail.com. Oh, I think that's about it. I'm really that is it. Huh? So that is it. That is it. Uh, that was awesome. Um, so for the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. No, Kelly Clarkson. And I'm Sam Reimer. <laughs> Adios.